and welcome to Wands and Fronds, the weekly podcast where we cover magic, herbalism, and more. I'm Shannon. And I'm Nick. And we're your co-hosts. So today, I'm talking about a bright, springy plant, lemongrass, also a Nick fave. Oh my god, literally... I ate I ate a Penang curry like two days ago. So. <laughs> it's so good. Um, I'm also going to introduce you to the Roman Athena, Minerva. Ooh, we we love that. We love we love a uh, kind of a back to back sister sister moment. Um, I know it's going to feel very deja vu, but you know it's <clears throat> it's good to I think cover both because I'm assuming there are some people that probably work with the Roman deities. You know, I mean. I don't know your practice. Yeah. Um, anywho, so we're here. We're <laughs> queer. Um, I'm queer. And as part of our Sabbat revisit, so we're, it's round two of the Sabbats. We've been doing this for um, over a year now. So Ding, ding, ding. Round um, two. I'm going to be talking a bit more about Ostara. Hey. Ooh, hey, I have uh, two really cute little wooden bunnies that are on our table as part of our Ostara season centerpiece. Love. So, yeah, they're very cute. They're very like velveteen rabbit and it makes me happy. So <laughs> um, I feel like, Nick, you had just mentioned this, but I feel like this is as good a time as any to introduce it as like part of our intro. So like, yeah, yeah, yeah. when this last week, did you feel the most magical? Okay, so actually, I know the answer to this right off the top of my head. Um, Friday. So Friday was actually kind of a weird day. It was like sort of gray and blustery um, here, in, here in Austin. But I had this surprise visit from one of my witch friends, friend of the pod, um, the Haunted House episode, if you're on the Patreon, Eve, my friend Eve. So... Um, she was here in town just kind of last minute and, you know, we had gone out and I had really just thrown on like my hoodie and my beanie out of my bag. So I didn't look like I was wearing my work clothes, like out to a club, but, but you looked so cute anyway. I, I, I really did look cute, but no, no, no. So I walked in to this disco club and I swear I was like the center of attention. Mm, you had a little glamour magic moment. Yeah, like literally, I was like, I'm like the, one of the top five hottest people here. Um, everyone's looking at me. Some like cute boy even came up and was like, I really like your jacket. And I was like, oh my God, like, who am I? I'm, but no, I really, I felt so powerful. Like, I love that. I love that. Like your, your Aphrodite moment. Yes, 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 yes. So that's when I felt the most magical this week. Also, there was a lot of, very gorgeous breezes that night when we were going out mm. on the patio so I love that yeah mine I feel like this last week has been so crazy busy with work but then this morning actually I think is going to be mine because I was able to finally like slow down a little bit which has been very tough to do for the past couple of weeks for me so I put on a simmer pot with some mandarin peels and clove and cinnamon and a couple of bay leaves like big prosperity energy because who doesn't need more money well and, and you had sent me that picture and I could like smell it through my phone oh yeah it's so good because last night I had my friend and friend of the podcast Kelly over and we watched the ridiculous 1989 film Teen Witch oh, and yes. <laughs> smoked 
hella like herbal joints and one of my favorite stoner snacks for anyone who doesn't know this is like mandarin oranges because they're hydrating they're good for any sort of like cotton mouth you get and they're just like something about like fruit is so much sweeter when you're Mm -hmm. a little high so we had a bunch of mandarin pills so i did that and then i also lit just a fuck ton of candles so i like put on a simmer pot lit a bunch of candles to do my research for this episode and was just like really feeling my witchy self this morning it's been a while i feel like it's been i've been in like corporate bitch mode which is not my favorite and it's very hard for me to like connect to my magical self when like my day job work is very difficult so it was nice it was really good to like have that this morning and really i was i was kind of jealous because my apartment smells like um litter box right now so. oh god that's the worst <laughs> we just we just got new litter we tried doing the pretty litter which i know people rave about pretty litter and they like they do i feel like maybe it's good if you don't have an old man cat who takes old man cat shits and like you don't have a diabetic cat who even while it's well managed pees a lot and like we have two cats and it just did not work for us like it could not hang with our boys we tried it's great in theory i mean here's here's my thing too though like just while we're on the topic is that oliver likes to do this really crazy balancing act where he's like got all of his legs like lined up together and he's just like hovering Oh, yeah, no, that's Samson, too. Like, he's afraid of getting in the litter box. So, but as a result of this, the pee is just on the side of the litter box. Yeah. Which means it kind of evaporates into the air. So it's like, it really doesn't matter what's in the litter box. Like, it could be the best thing, but it's still going to evaporate into the air because he doesn't pee on the litter. He pees on the edge the of the litter side box. Of the box. Um, so, old man you know, cats, man. Old man cats. Uh, what can you do? Uh, but no, I'm I'm interested to hear about these magical qualities of lemongrass, which is I like no, because you famous, use it a lot. Famously, I use it a lot. I mean, I have like my own sort of associations. I want to see how it lines up with the um the official word. Yeah. So anytime I use lemongrass essential oil, it makes me think of Nick. But if you've ever eaten Thai food, you know about lemongrass, right? Or Simbopogon citratus. I'm like, are there any other Tom Kagai lovers out there? Because it is one of my very favorite things in the world. Actually, go ahead. I think this week's prompt for anyone who wants to write in. Um, what's your what's your Thai restaurant order? I I want to know. Ooh, I want to. Yes. For me personally, I I just gonna jump in here. For me personally, it's a Penang curry, a, mm. a lot, but um, sometimes Masaman curry. But I will say, I like to make Masaman curry. So if I'm ordering out, I usually go Penang or uh, Pad Thai, which Dude, I know. Pad Thai is great. We usually pad get so good. an order of Pad Thai. I really, I mean, I love Tom Kha Gai. I also really love green curries. Green mm-hmm. curry is one mm-hmm. of my favorite things. And there's this Thai takeout place that we get that serves it with like fry bread. And it oh. is just like, oh. like oh. big chunks of eggplant and the green curry with the fry bread is just like, if you've ever had a hangover and wanted something for it, like that's that, just that's that. it. No, the other speaking of fry bread though, the other night when I got my Penang curry, I had um saved the broth because you know it's like I'd eaten all of the like chicken out, but I had the broth and it had the kefir lime leaves in it. And you oh my know, God, which and, is so good. 
It, and it just smelled like lemongrass as well. And I was like, I could use this broth or something or just like put a scoop of rice in. Yeah. And have it for like lunch, you know? So I saved my little broth. But and I didn't end up making rice. What I did was I had all of this cheesy Texas toast in my freezer. Oh, yeah. And so I made like a plate of cheesy Texas toast and just dipped it in the curry broth and heaven. Mwah. Oh, my God. That sounds... Heaven, heaven is a place on earth. So good. Well, and so lemongrass is great, though, because like not only is it good in food, but it also has some like super impressive bacterial inhibiting powers. So the food industry also uses it sometimes for preservation purposes for like cowpea and maize. So it's also great to know that that's in leftovers because there was this really crazy story this week about a guy that got bacterial meningitis from leftover Chinese food, which is terrifying. And like, it was a perfect storm apparently, but it made me very happy that we order so much Thai food. Cause I was like, yeah, fuck yeah, lemongrass, get in there, do your work. So <laughs> it is of course native to India but it's also found throughout the more tropical parts of Asia. Uh, Simbopogon uh, is like a pretty big species. Today we're focusing on Citratus, but there are a few different species in the lemongrass family, and some of them are like more purpley, some of them are more red. They're all over the place in like really tropical areas of the greater Asian continent. Lemongrass is also, though, a fantastic insect repellent and it's a great alternative to deep based products because ew and this is that time of year so you know eric went to a barbecue with a couple of friends last week and has like monster mosquito bites after being outside and we all know how bad mosquitoes are so you can actually make a really great repellent at home using lemongrass thyme lavender and peppermint essential oils diluted into a carrier oil or you can make them into a salve and like enjoy your summer barbecues without a side of itchiness because fuck bug bites. There's nothing more irritating than being itchy. Like, oh, it's it, the worst. I, and well, and the way mosquitoes will just go for like the spot that will make you the itchiest, like the back of your knee. Oh my God, why? what is it? Why? The ankle, why? I got like one on my forehead two weeks ago and it was like infuriating. It's like, you know, take the blood, take the blood. Honestly, I could give two shits, but like go for the wrist, go for, go for somewhere that's not going to itch for like a million years. Yeah. It's going to itch until you like scratch it and bruise it. It's ugh, horrible. Rude. I do feel like I need to point out though, like a little disclaimer, the insect repellent properties of lemongrass are only active like once the leaves are crushed, which mm -hmm. is why the essential oil is so good for it. Because sometimes you'll see people that are like, oh, just plant lemongrass around your porch to help repel bugs. And it doesn't work like that. That's, it's a great way to have lemongrass on hand, mm -hmm. which is mm -hmm. awesome. It's not going to do shit for your mosquitoes. But again, this is one that you can totally grow at home. So let's talk about it. It's a delicate perennial grass that will die off in cold winters. So you can either grow it as an annual or you can put it like in a container so you can bring it indoors to overwinter it. And lemongrass grows in these like dense clumps with strap shaped leaves that can actually grow up to six feet tall. And they're only like one inch wide. It's it's crazy. Like lemongrass can get very big. And because they do get to be so large, you actually only need one or two seedlings to take care of your needs for basically an entire year for your household. You can harvest it throughout the summer and you can freeze it to make sure your winter stews have a lemony kick. Like, oh, yeah, right. Throwing some fresh lemongrass like, well, not fresh, frozen 
from fresh lemongrass into like a big pot of like beef stew in the winter. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. And you can actually totally just freeze the fresh stalks whole, or you can take the tops and dry them and chop them and like put them in a container and they'll keep their flavor for up to a year. So it is something that you can preserve pretty easily. And you just want to plant it up in like the plushest garden bed, right? So you're thinking about like rich, moist soil. If you're going to do it in containers, same thing. Remember, these are like tropical plants, so they are used to things being a little bit more damp kind of all around. So you're not going to want to let them totally dry out. And they do best if they don't have a lot of competition. So this really is like an ideal candidate for container gardening. If you're one of those people, you can take it and put it in like a garden bed. But I'd suggest maybe putting it in like its own garden bed or doing one of those, you know, you can do the borders that you get kind of down into the ground a little bit to where you can keep other things from coming into the garden bed. Mm-hmm. A lot of people do that with bamboo, but you could do that with lemongrass more to keep other things from getting in because lemongrass just really doesn't do well with competition. But do be careful when you're harvesting it because the fresh leaves can actually like slice your fingers up and give you almost like paper cuts. I don't know if you've ever handled like the grass, Nick, but it is, it has kind of sharp edges. I was going to say I have in, in tea form, like we used to have this lemongrass tea. I will say though, at that point it was already kind of cut into like little inch long, inch ish long pieces. Um, you know, so it could fit in a tea strainer. So yeah, actually I never, I never had to deal with like getting like, um, sort of processing it myself. Yeah. Well, if you do, be careful. But it does, it does get, when it's dried out, quite rigid. So yeah. I, can, I can see kind of what's, um, what you're talking about. Slice you up. Because you know, it's, like, it's like when you dry it, and, you know, like other leaves, you know, like oat straw, let's say, which I was also sort of it famously in this blend. Um, if you like take the little piece of oat straw and like do do one of these it'll just kind of break and crumble like yeah yeah like it's very like brittle 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 but yeah kind of crumbly even but yeah but the lemongrass um does kind of stay kind of rigid and and stiff and yeah I could easily see if you were like breaking up the actual whole um piece of it yeah just kind of yeah you can cut yourself she, she's tough she's stringy like even when you're cooking with it oh yeah you, it's actually really hard to get like have you ever had like a chunk of like lemongrass stalk that ends up in your curry or something uh, and you don't yeah. catch it and then you're chewing on it and you're like, oh yeah, I could chew on this for 4,000 years yeah, yeah, and yeah, it would yeah. still be here. Um, it's, the, I, it's, the, it's the only plant that um, I think can compete with like gristle as far as yes. like, yeah, it's the gristle of the plant world. Truly. So let's talk, though, about the medicinal properties, right? So disclaimer, disclaimer, disclaimer. I'm not a doctor. Nick's not a doctor. This is for entertainment purposes only. Please don't use a fucking podcast to diagnose or treat yourself. Talk to your medical doctor before you embark on any sort of herbal regimens. You know, be smart about it. So lemongrass, though, native to India, we mentioned it's been used in Ayurveda for centuries to treat everything from weak connective tissues to digestive problems to varicose veins. Like it is kind of a bit of a cure-all in Ayurveda. I did mention earlier it's antibacterial properties and they've done studies that show lemongrass is effective against some super baddies, including Staphylococcus aureus, Bacillus cereus, and Escherichia coli, E. coli. 
And we have seen these bacteria becoming more and more antibiotic resistant, especially recently. So this is really good news. And in one study, they actually diffused lemongrass and geranium essential oils in a hospital burn unit, which is very important for burn units to be kept sterile. And they found it reduced airborne bacteria by nearly 90%, including airborne MRSA. Shit. Okay. Yeah. Like this is <clears throat> also, this I is bet that badass stuff. So good. Right. Geranium and lemongrass. I'm like that. Of course, be careful with, you know, diffusing essential oils if you have pets. I think we've talked about this before. Uh-huh, but uh-huh. like the smell of those two, and it's gonna like destroy MRSA. Yeah. Sign me up. Sign me up. Well, <laughs> so, don't don't sign me up because I don't want to be in a burn board. Uh truly. I'm, I just want to smell it. I just want to smell this area. Smelled great. (laughs) Yeah. So several of the Symbopogon species are antifungal as well, and they are used to treat things like ringworm and oral thrush, like Candida overgrowth. Usually, you they either do like diluted essential oils, or sometimes in India they'll actually make a paste using the leaves and apply it like directly to ringworm. And in Ayurveda, the oil is used to stimulate circulation. Um, and when you stimulate the circulation system, it can actually help reduce joint inflammation, which is really important for people with arthritis, because you want to make sure that you're getting a lot of heat to those joints so things don't get cold and, you know, hard and swollen. The pain relieving properties, though, also make it a great candidate for menstrual cramps. And here I was thinking like a tea of red raspberry leaf and dried lemongrass would be delicious. And would definitely, for most people, I would assume, help with your menstrual pain. Of course, I'm not a doctor. But for me, on the first couple of days of my period, when I feel like curling up in a ball and dying, I love red raspberry leaf tea. I also take a mugwort tincture. But now I'm definitely going to get some lemongrass for next round to add into it. Because red raspberry leaf can be a little bitter. And that's one of the great things about adding lemongrass to herbal teas is it can kind of help balance that out with all of the citrus notes. So it's a really great additive to to herbal blends if you've got something that is like not super tasty. And the lemony smell is like really special, right? That citrusiness. And it's included in a lot of beauty products, but you'll usually see it listed as oil of verbena. So if you see that, it's almost always lemongrass essential oils. So you can make a tea, of course, by using just a teaspoon of the dried leaves, but adding it to food is really like, I think the most fun way to add it to your diet. You can, of course, like add it to all of your curries, but I love the idea of packing fresh leaves into sugar to make like a lemony lemongrass sugar, or you can infuse honey with the leaves. But actually like my very favorite thing I saw is I have this book by Maria Noel Groves, the Grow Your Own Herbal Remedies. She recommends like lining the bottom of a cake tin with Uh, lemongrass leaves and then pouring like vanilla or yellow cake batter on it and baking it and getting that like lemongrass infusion in the cake that'd be such a good tea cake right like a lemon like a lemongrass lavender tea cake like i was thinking lavender or even you could do like a like an an infusion of like rosemary and like an icing (sighs) drizzle on top and get like me up that sounds so good (sighs) yummy Okay, but what about the magic? Because Nick and I could talk about food all day, but this is not our food podcast. Uh, Lemongrass is associated with the air element and the planet Mercury. Traditionally, it's used for psychic and lust magics and repelling snakes. You know, like you do. So 
I think this one, of course, is like a great candidate to partner with magically by planting it around your home, which is also allegedly going to help repel snakes. I wouldn't do this as your primary form of snake prevention if that's what you need. But in Mexican folk magic and hoodoo, lemongrass is also used a lot for cleansing, which I think makes sense with all of that citrus note. It's like nothing to me smells cleaner than lemony stuff like that just smells like it's it's like it's like the lemon pledge effect yeah exactly when something smells citrusy it's like that can't be dirty no and because of those associations it's i think a really great ingredient if you're doing like a road opening spell you know like helping you turn bad luck trying to get the tide turning in your direction road opening plus lemongrass but it also has the associations with mercury We know Mercury is the master of disguise, which means I think lemongrass would be right at home in glamour magic. Hi. Speaking of, speaking of, and can I just say, lemongrass is is what I wear as cologne. So there's a 100% chance that I was wearing lemongrass when I was like at that club this weekend and I felt gorgeous and um, like the, the hottest person in the room. So yeah uh, they're uh, proof positive even right and i do have to say like i wrote this before nick and i talked about this so right. this was not planned uh but i never it never is but it always <laughs> seems like it is because we're just intuitive people sorry y'all. we are sorry guys that's why we're doing a podcast for y'all so but in addition to of course using it in your beauty products because i often will add lemongrass to like my body oil that I body oil with. And people are always like, oh, you smell so good. And I'm like, I know lemongrass. But I was thinking if you're getting ready to go out for the night, what about making yourself a tea with rose and lemongrass Mm. to enjoy as you're getting yourself all made up, like relishing in that like Aphrodite glamour magic. Oh, yeah. Right? It's like perfume for your guts, too. Yeah. And and lemongrass is so good for digestion, too. So if you're prone to any upset tummy, you know, no one feels sexy when your tummy's grumbling. No, so. every Virgo knows this. Yeah. Uh, and the psychic associations mean I have to recommend it for a dream or a sleep sachet. I'm sorry. I don't make the rules, but, but it makes th- sense. But you also do still have to take a drink. So. Yeah, you do still have to take a drink. And I was thinking if you want to have prophetic dreams specifically about love, or do sex magic in your sleep. I love the idea of making a sleep sachet using lemongrass, rose, and rose quartz. Mm-hmm. Like, how sexy would that sleep sachet be? Like, if you want guaranteed nighttime eruptions, make this sleep sachet. Oh my God. Like, I can almost promise you. Like, that's so hot, that combination. <clears throat> that's that's horny. Like, that's, a horn- a- that's a, that's a oh. horny combo. Yeah. yeah like- Throw in a cinnamon stick, just light the bed on fire. Uh, anyway. Yeah, shit. <laughs> and that's all she wrote. So my sources today were Grow Your Own Herbal Remedies by Marino Groves, The Herbarium, all of their great monographs. Uh, thanks, Emma, for giving me a year-long subscription to that for Christmas. I don't think she listens, but hey, thank you. And Cunningham's Encyclopedia of Magical Herbs and a creativeapothecare.com. Ooh, and we love Cunningham's too, so. Thanks, Cunningham. Okay, so you guys, we gotta, we gotta dive in. We gotta dive in. This is a Sabbath episode. And actually, I, I feel like I have a little less to talk about with this one, and I think you guys will see why, but okay. Witches of the Potosphere, can you really believe? 
that we are doing an episode about Ostara again. No, we cannot. We can't, well believe it. Okay. Seriously, though, if you are not caught up at the moment, but are somehow listening to this episode first, like, is welcome. Um, but for this round of Sabbath episodes, we're looking at the historical roots of Ostara, because in the first episode, we've talked about how we can celebrate Ostara and a little bit of um, the mythology as it ties into that. And so this time we're going to be talking about history and how Ostara came to be what it is in this, the year of our Lord, 2022. But at the top of this segment, the spring equinox in astrology traditionally means the start of Aries season, full stop. Right, that's also our astrological new year, y'all. It's astrological new year. Um, so The season of the Nick. The season of the Nick. Welcome to gorgeous springtime hell, the rest put, of you. Put on your lemongrass perfume and feel the beauty. Feel the fire. Um, <laughs> but so, as you all may remember from the Maybon episode specifically, something we occasionally run into it, once we start digging into the roots of these sabbats is that we find ourselves in the groovy witch spaces of the 60s and 70s when people are trying to create a cohesive modern witch's calendar out of what is oftentimes a chaotic, fractured, and oftentimes unwritten even source material. So there's a lot going on, um, which again, you know, think of Mabon. You know, they kind of plucked some random Welsh hero and we're like, that's the name. That's the name of the Sabbath. And so mode it be, bitches. Which, uh, you know, absolutely is not to say that the spring equinox itself is not an ancient pagan holiday. Uh, in fact, we know this was a highly sacred and important day because there's a Stonehenge alignment. So Stonehenge, super fucking old. Kind of um, a big deal. You've probably heard of her. You've probably heard of her. So yeah, we know we know that it's there. And obviously, if we look at like other Celtic monumental architecture as well, we absolutely know that equinoxes and solstices are like big ticket holidays in these before times, you know, the Celtic times, the Anglo-Saxon times, like the modern, you know, pre-Gregorian calendar times. Pre-Gregorian calendar times. Thank you so much. But what does that have to do with Ostara? And, you know, fuck you. I'm fucking getting to it. Jesus oh Christ. Y'all give Nick a moment. <laughs> Jesus. Okay. But I'm going to go ahead and burst some of y'all's bubble. Now, as far as naming conventions go, yes, this was sort of slapped on in the 60s instead of having unnamed spring equinox holiday, which really just was not testing well with the- It's uh, hard to write a jingle for that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so, but like in the Maybon episode, it still kind of opens the door to some interesting questions about how Ostara as we know it came to be and why that was the face that we chose to put on the spring equinox as a Sabbath. So here's what we do know in an evidence-based way. So the spring equinox as a celebration has traditionally had this theme of fertility and rebirth, which is something you can see across a broad spectrum of world cultures, which I'm actually going to talk about that um, sort of towards the end of the segment as well, is sort of some other sort of cross-cultural spring equinox stuff. Um, and I think an important thing to remember as we're talking about the history of these things that when we talk about, say, 
the Anglo-Saxons. We know a bit about how they celebrated other important times of the year to them. So we know a bit of the flavor of what might have been going on vis-a-vis, you know, it's a lot, lot, lot like what we know about the Celtic holidays and the Norse holidays. So we know there was bonfires. We know there was hand fastings. We know there was feasting, uh, sacred well visitation, and all of that great stuff that would have been par for the course in like any Northern European festivity. And Actually, as well, I think it's good to really acknowledge that these people, you know, sort of our ancestors even, were absolutely hand-to-mouth people. And while this Sabbath represents so much that is good and fresh and energizing, this part of the year meant lots and lots of work to be done. Uh, This is sort of like a planting season Sabbath. Um, Sowing seeds, baby! Sowing seeds, which really, you know, is such a beautiful symbolic thing but it was hard work honey it was a lot you know you have to catch up from the winter now yeah um you know because i mean if you think about like shepherds you know famously a lot of sheep in anglo-saxon culture but you know it's like we gotta fatten the sheep back up we have to like it's they're they're absolutely starving to death if you wanted to think about it in like the lunar cycle like spring is the waxing phase of the year Uh before we get to like the full moon of summer so things are building, which means shit to do. Right. And I guess sort of all of that to say it really would not have been just an excuse to party. You know, I feel like there are actually other Sabbaths in the Wheel of the Year that are a lot more focused on celebration, you know? And I yeah. think there's sort of more like the like Yule, where it's like, the harvest is done, honey. You don't have shit to do except okay. drink drink some mead and have a bonfire. But we're just trying not to die at Yule time, y'all. We're <laughs> just trying not to die, so you might as well have a party. But exactly. this is um, this is sort of a working holiday. Some um, yeah, it's a busy time. It's a very busy time. So like, even though that may be what's in your heart during the feistiness of Aries season, it's always good to take a moment to be respectful of the tradition of it all and sort of what it actually would have meant back then for it to be the spring equinox and like what was sort of coming up for them at the time like you know like this ancestral energy so I feel like the feistiness of Aries though too is just like a reminder that Aries is also the initiator the initiator yeah it's like we need that energy yeah we need that energy because there's shit to do Aries is the like frantic energy like Aries is the frantic manic energy that allows the rest of the year to fucking happen right you know you got to start with a bang yeah uh, March comes in like a lion you yeah know, goes out, comes out like a lamb um and somewhere in the middle it's the spring equinox so <laughs> transformative but that still doesn't quite explain Ostara. So, I mean, but we're getting there. We're getting there. We can we can have to set you up for it, right? So, for that story, we have to go way past the 1960s, though, thankfully, because this is not, you know, something that they really did just pull out of their ass. Um, and we're talking about the 8th century CE, current era. So, and this nerdy little monk called Bede the Venerable, which, you know, it means he's trustworthy, supposedly. Hey, Bede. Um, so Bede the Venerable, Venerable, the Venerable, the Honorable, Judge Bede, no, um, <laughs> Bede the Venerable was making a survey 
of all of the current holidays and their history in his own time. Um, so, and of course, as a Christian monk, this was absolutely always going to be from a Christian perspective. Uh, but here's kind of the shady thing. So uh, actually first, his writings about the history of Easter is the earliest mention we can find of Estra or Ostara, which is the anglicized version of Estra. Um, so in his version of Easter History 101, he traces it to pagan roots back to this Anglo-Saxon goddess of the moon, fertility, light, and spring, Estra, which is really cool. And it just fits perfectly because her symbols as a fertility goddess are the rabbit and the egg, which speaking of rabbits and eggs, a little rabbit trail, if you will. So my head kind of exploded when I realized that Estra and estrogen are linguistically related. Um, and what? so now you guys have to make a dumb face too, because I was literally like, um, and I'm still kind of like, um, I know, right? And also uh, sharing a root word uh, with ostrich. So if you, if you, ostriches famously lay giant eggs. So there you go. Big eggs. <laughs> um, but no, so we have Bede talking about Estra and uh, really no one else. There's no source material. There's no source material. Um, there's no- the, the boldness to just write shit down like it's fact. I mean, we act like fake news and misinformation is new. Right. But here we have Bede the Venerable just like, that sounds likely. And, and, he, and the goddess's name sounds like Easter. This is one of those situations where it's the opposite of like every other Sabbath, where it's like a Christian guy came up potentially. And, you know, like I take the side of the witches here where it's like it's it's nice to like have a face for unnamed spring equinox holiday. Yeah. But this guy might have just made up a pagan goddess. Wouldn't and be then, the weirdest thing the Christians did. And then named her after the Christian holiday that is supposedly based on her holiday. Absolutely psycho. Absolutely yeah. psycho. It's like, this um, is totally a snake eating its tail. But so what they do say, though, uh, and what can sort of be agreed upon is that there was a spring equinox holiday that was sort of devoted to, to Freya, um, which might have had like a Germanic and Anglo-Saxon counterpart that may or may not have been named something like Estra, but we don't know because this one guy wrote this down in the eighth century. And then that's kind of like the source that other people are looking at because it is such an old source. But it's but even he was writing about it after the fact. Um, and so well, it's, it's a little sus. It's it's a little sus. And it's I would say, you know, it's semi-historical at best. Um, and I think in a way it, it was almost like shoehorned, right? Where it yeah. was like, it's a convenient pagan origin story for Easter traditions that is mostly based on freya's spring equinox holiday but you know they didn't i guess want to talk about it being freya's spring equinox holiday like you just kind of made up this other thing but 
um, there you have it, folks. So it's like the, it's like the reverse Yule, right? It's like reverse Yule. They kind of came up with Estra to explain Easter and um, I guess just, you know, get Freya out of the picture. I'm really not sure why they were just so against saying that it was sort of a remnant of, of a Freya cult practice but i don't know it's weird i mean it's honestly no weirder though like eric and i were just joking about this at target we're just like oh look all of the chicks and like rabbits are out for jesus for jesus yeah and um which you know just to kind of i feel like we we did tell this story in the original ostara episode but i'm gonna tell it again because you know like it's you been kinda, a year. You can listen been, to it again. It's been a year. You can listen to it again. But uh, yeah. Anywho, so the story goes is that Estra sees this wounded bird who's also like about to freeze to death. Okay. And, you know, she's a powerful goddess. She's going to heal that bird. She's going to heal that bird and the bird's going to live. And that's that's great. But here's the thing. In order to save the bird she has to turn the bird into a rabbit but okay so here's the thing and it's, and and it's not really explained why she can't just heal the bird she can't she can't just heal the bird with magic it's because it's a dinosaur true so she has to turn it into a rabbit a which mammal she, which she can then heal but then i'm also like you know it's cold you know they do mention that the bird is like freezing to death so maybe a mammal just for warm bloodedness and fur um, which, you know, must have been very helpful and uh, to, the, to the dying bird. But so basically you have this, this rabbit, this bird that has been turned into a rabbit. And, but, it, but for some reason, the, the magic doesn't work all the way. And then the rabbit still lays eggs. And, um, <laughs> and that's the Easter bunny. There's somewhere out there. I don't know if my Nana has it. There's a picture of me and my sister with one of those like bunny characters. And she's like scream crying. Because Morgan was so afraid of like the, you know, the giant characters when people like dress up as them. Morgan is just like scream crying in this photo of us like sitting on the Easter Bunny's lap. And it is iconic. Morgan is so funny. But no, so that's really what I have as far as like the history of um, Ostara. You know, and then obviously listen to the other Ostara episode if you want to know more about how to celebrate but I thought kind of a fun way to round out this episode would be to talk about some other spring equinox traditions. And um, so I kind of picked two. And so the two that I picked um, is Nowruz, uh, which is the Persian holiday. So I, I, kind of, I thought I really liked this story too, because it just screams, 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 um, Aries, like, or like uh like some kind of fire sign, right? Um so we have to talk about King Jamshid. And I hope I'm saying that right, but I I I, I you know, maybe I'm not. But King Jamshid, 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 uh, I think it's long A. Eh? Um Jamshid sounds better. Jamshid, yeah, yeah, yeah. So this is sort of based in like the the 11th century um king jamshid was a zoroastrian um king of persia so this is like post-zoroastrianism and basically there was this 
prophecy that there was going to be a winter that was going to wipe out all of mankind and life on earth in general right so you know sort of like nuclear winter even um like the apocalypse and king jamshid is like i'm going to save the day well how does he save the day basically he gathers up all of these precious jewels and gemstones and shit and makes a like glowing gemstone throne and then has demons fly him up into the sky so he can replace the sun and keep the winter at bay that's so fucking cool to which all of the people and creatures on earth as a sound uh sign of thanks gather up more gems to kind of throw at him in honor of taking the place of the sun so to keep the eternal winter at bay and um yeah so you know he has demons fly him up into the sky on his jewel encrusted throne and then people throw more jewels at him yeah so to um, celebrate you could send us a bag of fucking rubies you could send us a bag of rubies and wouldn't that be seasonal and appropriate but no um no no ruse is um like persian new year uh you know because it's like the zodiac new year as well so they it's celebrated like on the 20th and ostara's on the 21st or 22nd and um yeah so it's like you know almost a century old or almost a thousand years old i'm so sorry like almost 10 centuries old uh this celebration and you know i love persian food so it's like i was like ooh, we got to tell the story but can you imagine anything more aries than making a throw than making a throne out of gemstones and having and having everyone worship you as the sun. I don't think um, anything more Aries than that exists in the world. Um, and, and also by demons, not angels. Angels are not coming down and flying no, you into demons. the sky. It's demons. Well, uh, because demons are here to fucking work. Angels are here are... to look weird with all their eyeballs. That's true. Uh, be, be, not, be not afraid. <laughs> be not afraid of this giant eyeball monster. <laughs> um, but... But kind of going back to the beginning of the segment too, I also wanted to talk about Chichen Itza, the the big stone pyramid in Mexico. Mm, Chichen Itza is so cool. And actually, so here's something that's like really, really interesting. So we're talking about this sort of monumental architecture of like Stonehenge and like Celtic passage tombs. And so this is a huge piece of monumental architecture that is still standing to this day. And the way that it is built on the day of the spring equinox, which actually, uh, you know, for everyone that does not remember, the equinox is perfectly half and half day and night, right? So that's a big deal in and of itself. It's all about balance even. Um, But on the day of the spring equinox, the way that the pyramid at Chichen Itza is built, it creates a shadow on that day of like a, a serpent creeping up the stairs um and so they have all of this serpent lore in aztec uh in mayan culture you know so you have like the feathered serpent you have like cosmic serpent like serpents it could be seen as kind of like dragons even although you know they are famously from a part of the world where there's actually like pythons and shit so you know like maybe they were thinking uh, also about like a real life kind of serpent um 
but yeah so but the, but the way the shadow is it looks like a snake is going up the stairs throughout the day and i think it's cool that that still that trick kind of still works all these like hundreds and hundreds of years later um and it's actually a a, a popular equinox spot like observation spot to this day like big crowds gather so you know like if you don't live in europe and you want kind of like a a stonehenge like equinox experience you you can get that vibe in chichen itza in mexico yeah. well you could do chichen itza and then go to teotihuacan and go see the pyramids of the sun and of the moon yeah which are lacma did an exhibition on teotihuacan and i really want to go it's like an hour outside of mexico city and the pyramid of the moon fun facts is older than the pyramid of the sun like teotihuacan and chichen itza are like you want to do an archaeological visit to mexico those two sites are going to be fucking epic oh yeah oh yeah and but you know it, especially for the equinox you know because you got you got your snake going up the stairs which so you know, cool. like like i've seen pictures of it like it, i just think it's neat that it still works you know that like they did a good job they did a good job so you know, to, to, to all of you ancient Aztec pyramid builders. We salute you. We salute you. But, <laughs> um, but you no, know, I, you know, just to kind of say, like, just to kind of finish here, like, we really don't do these segments to kind of, like, shit on the witches in the 60s and 70s who were kind yeah. of, like, doing reconstruction of, of, like, the Wheel of the Year and, you know, like, trying to find coherence in the chaos reconstructionism is very difficult and it's like it's so much easier to critique than to do it it's like yeah you fucking build a religion yeah and i think you know <laughs> if we do kind of look at ostara as kind of like a proxy for freya and just sort of like a pan northern european fertility goddess you know it's like we really don't need to like like we can let sleeping dogs lie, you know? Yeah, I mean, the way, so in my personal practice, because I can only speak to myself, the way that I use the wheel of the year, I don't do big things at all of the Sabbaths. I mean, I do yeah. love the equinoxes and the solstices, but I really do just use it mostly as like a way to mark the passage of time, right? Yeah, and I'm yeah, like, yeah. that's what the wheel of the year is about. It's about and that's the turning of time the seasons, recognizing changes, taking moments to check in. But like, I don't know. I think it's it's a bit of a fallacy to think that either you're all in or you're all out with the Sabbath. Right, right, right. So, but, you know, like we wanted, to, you know, a little bit of Sabbath history. Um, and and you got it. You you got you got your little bit of Sabbath history. Yeah. So. And to finish, we've got did Faye step on your computer? Oh yeah yeah yeah. So um, <laughs> Faye actually wanted me to say um x equal sign equal sign equal sign equal sign equal sign. So thank you, Faye. A message from Faye. Straight to our listeners. Straight to the listeners. Cat owners everywhere will understand what happened there. So before we go on, we wanted just like take a break to do our plugs oh so, yeah patreon guys i know we owed you two episodes in february and i have the second episode from february that i have not posted yet i will get it up hopefully today which is sunday work has been eating me alive so i apologize for the delay in that but we're going to record another episode in march um it was 
it's kind of a fun episode. I think it's a bit of a show and tell. Nick and I give you like a mini tour of our spaces and show you some of our magical areas, which I think yes, is cool. Yes, yes, yes. We've got a special appearance by friend of the pod, Bridget, which is like my favorite thing in the world. Um, so if you want to check stuff like that out, you can join our Patreon. It's patreon.com slash pod. It's also a really great way to support us, guys. Like the little things that you might not think about with podcasts that add up, like paying for podcast hosting, like putting yeah. this thing together every week. It's like um, it's not 100 percent free to us. Uh, no, so no, no. It's, it it's, really helps. It's a passion project and a labor of love. So a labor of love that is still a labor. So, you know, your membership means a lot to us. Like we for really the, for the price of a medium coffee. Yeah, of one medium coffee. Like, please buy us a coffee. We hope that we give you more than like one coffee's worth of enjoyment a month. Um, so yeah, that's patreon.com slash pod. The other thing you can do that's totally free, rate, review, subscribe. Rate, review, subscribe. And you know, if you're if you're feeling social, if you want to tell us your your Thai restaurant order is we uh, know. sort of a prompt this week. Uh, Wands and Franz Pod at Wands on Instagram. Uh, easy, easy, easy peasy. Wands at gmail.com. And um, it's Wands and Franz Pod on Facebook as well, right? Or... Wands and Franz Podcast. Oh, yeah, that's the one. Okay, so it's Wands and Franz Podcast on Facebook. Just do, but... do a little Facebook search. You'll find us. I, I'm pretty sure if you looked up Wands and Franz Pod, like, it would probably still pull us up. Um, yeah. So, and we got a very special shout out on Instagram this week that I just wanted to thank her. And I'm sorry, I had it pulled up and then closed my phone. Hold on. Give me a second. I'm going to find this because it, it just meant so much to me to like see us getting shouted out. Okay. So confidently Lynn, who is super great. She's an intuitive confidence coach working with gen xers and millennial moms um but she gave us a shout out on her instagram and it really like it meant a lot it made me also, and nick so happy to like know that someone was enjoying it to know that someone was enjoying it and also you know we have our little community of people that you know kind of stay in contact and are like i don't want to say og fans but like y'all know who you are like the og fans um where it's like it's I, like the, the, the I would kind of expect that kind of thing from one of y'all, but getting the shout out from someone who's not someone who like writes in, not um, someone we like super we know super well, but like anyway. So just thank you, confidently, Lynn. Uh, that meant a lot. It just yes, like really you, made you, our day. Thank you so much. And like, feel free to hit us up. Like you know, yeah. we'd lo- we'd love to say hey. We're always doing interviews for the Patreon. So, you yeah. know, maybe come on, be interviewed by us for our Patreon subscribers. Anyway, so I think that covers it for. So we, so yeah, and we got to talk about, well, because we're having this like sister, sister moment, you know, where they're like standing sister, back. Sister, sister. Like, Never knew how much I missed her. Shaking um... up a family tree with <laughs> sibling synchronicity. Yeah. Uh, I I should not know no, that. No, it was but... no. I no. You absolutely should because I will say, underrated show and one of my favorites yeah. from when I was a kid. And no one else would watch it with me because I don't know. It's like I think my younger siblings were maybe just a bit too young. Yeah. To, to give a shit about sister sister. But I love it though. But it Go was like home, Roger. 
but it was like literally like it, we were the target demographic for oh, sister yeah. sister and um yeah so, you know, one, of my, one of my favorite celebrity sightings in la is i saw tia mori at the grove in line to like get pictures of santa and her kids which was like i didn't say anything but we made eye contact and it was like i know who you are and she was like i know you know me but i'm with my kids and i was like i respect that and that's all that we said with our eyes yeah, you so, said it with your eyes you said it with your eyes yeah so <laughs> let's talk about minerva so minerva she's the roman goddess of wisdom but like athena She's also a goddess of war, and in particular, war strategy, which is very also, Roman. I do want to do a, like a shout out to Rhiannon, who I don't think listens to the pod, but her cats are named Athena and Minerva. Okay, well, uh, I feel like Rhiannon should listen to the pod, but yeah, yeah, love yeah. her, love her. So um, she's also the, the goddess of trade and arts, and we know that the Romans loved to take on Greek deities. Minerva's no exception. Some of the Romans would even say that, like, they're the same deities that just had different names. Uh, but a lot of it does kind of seem a little bit like theft. But, you know, I mean, cultural exchange, we'll call it. But uh, Yeah, exchange. Uh, Minerva is also, though, often portrayed wearing a chitin, which is a Greek garment. So, like, they didn't just take her. She's also, like, dressed up like a Greek almost always. Like, they didn't even redress her. She's also often shown offering an olive branch to defeated enemies, and she's said to have a lot of sympathy for those armies that she beat. So, like, she's sweet. She's benevolent. And after Athena began to influence Minerva, her symbol became the owl, which we know today still represents wisdom. Shout out to Hootie. And she also gained, Minerva also gained a backstory that's going to sound awfully familiar so she was born when her father jupiter swallowed her mother matus uh he did this because of a prophecy that his child would one day defeat him and while inside jupiter matus forged weapons for the baby minerva and that constant noise gave jupiter a terrible headache and he asked another god vulcan to hit his head with a hammer and split it open which works, and then Minerva comes out fully grown from Jupiter's forehead. Well, this is a completely different story. First of all, it's a hammer and not an axe. You're right. And everyone has different names. So. You're right. This is a new story. <laughs> uh, she also had the weapons and armor that her mother had made for her. Another story from uh, Ovid's famous book, Metamorphosis, uh, in this book, a young woman named Arachne brags about her weaving skills, saying that they're even better than Minerva's. And Minerva gets a little pissed off about that and uh, challenges Arachne to a weaving competition. So we get some details here that Minerva wove a tapestry that featured herself beating all the other gods in a competition. And around the edges of the tapestry were figures of people who challenged the gods and lost. And Arachne chose to depict the gods in various forms, tricking humans. And Arachne's work was truly an exceptional piece of art. But Minerva, of course, declared herself the winner and knocked Arachne on the head three times and turned her into a spider to punish her for her unwise boast. Which Never again, heard that one. Which, again, very different story. Um... I will say, though, was such a strong lesson of don't challenge, just don't challenge gods. Yeah, don't do it. 
when the devil went down to Georgia, he was looking for a soul to steal and he was in a bind. <laughs> he was in a bind. Uh, but no, it's like literally just just lose or just you lose. know just be, just be you know it's like you really just have to be like you know what i'm not gonna engage with this because i'm gonna lose you can just so, be like i'm the best of the humans yeah yeah just yeah. with that caveat even, even if it's even if it's true that your tapestry was better it's fine you can't, you can't just say that to no. a god the fuck is wrong with you? So we have one more story here, though, that is also drawn from Greek mythology. The gods one day decided to have a contest to see who could create the most useful item for humans. Uh, Neptune made a horse. So now we know that Neptune was like the very first horse girl in mm -hmm. Roman mythology. Um, but also like inventing horses is pretty clutch for like a militaristic society. But... Minerva created the olive tree, which brought olive oil to the Mediterranean. And so does she won while also influencing some super fucking tasty food. So you want to work with Minerva. So you tend to practice with the Roman deities as opposed to the Greek. You can really kind of stick with similar things that you would work with Athena on. And I'll, I'll link that episode here. You can like call on her help during studies or if you have an important test coming up. She is also a ruler of crafting. So it made me think of like, friend of the pod Shannon you know like calling on someone like Minerva or Athena when you're like crafting when you're creating things like your beautiful necklaces um you can also like it, she's a battle strategist right so you can call on her to me I was like she's an ideal friend for the corporate world right like battle strategy and corporate bullshit go hand in hand I've been really drowning at work if you can't tell and of course, with the olive oil tie-in, I do like the idea of making an olive oil cake as an offering. How cute is that? Which also delicious, like a lemon yeah. olive oil cake. Oh like, God. get fucked, so good. Uh, or you could like line the cake tin with lemongrass leaves and then pour the olive oil cake batter into it. Fuck me up. Fuck of me up. <laughs> <laughs> of course, you can represent her with owls or weaponry. Um, and Romans celebrated Minerva's main festival on March 19th. But June 13th, which is known as the Quinquatrus, is also sacred to her. So those are like really good auspicious days if you want to like honor her. Like if you're into working with Minerva, March 19th, that's coming up. That's like Minerva's like main festival. They'd get together. There'd be like poetry and hunting and like all sorts of festivities and drinking and fun. So like, you know, party on on March 19th if you uh, want to celebrate basically the spring equinox with minerva yeah like like three days before the spring yeah. equinox. so so that's her it might have sounded a little familiar but like uh, yeah you know it's i i'm assuming there might be some people that do work with the roman deities like no shade if that's like what you choose to do it's just like they're awfully similar to the greek they're deities very similar yeah well, that was lovely, and um, it brings us, we're so close to the bitter end, you guys. Like, we're here, and I'm doing the tarot scope this week, so um, again, we're using these really fun cards that are like the kitty cat and zodiac, so this week, I got Sagittarius. Um, which is so cute. Which is so cute. A little kitty with a bow and arrow. And it looks like we may have been right about me getting to share some kinder and gentler news. God damn it. That means I'm going to get to be the bad guy now, though. Ugh, fine. It's your turn. 
It is. It is. And it's almost my birthday. So you're right. How dare I? How dare you? <laughs> uh, but for this week, we've drawn Sagittarius, uh, the five of wands reversed. So I would say this is kind of good news. Um, so for you fiery centaur babes, this week, you're maybe coming to the end of this like prolonged period of like strife, tension, and arguing. And regardless of if you won or lost, you finally have time to like take a breath. And it's like, you know, if it's a victory lap, enjoy it. If it's not, the the recommendation here is to still kind of like lean into it, you guys. Like lean into it a little bit. Take the opportunity to rest. You've obviously been through some shit recently and, you know, like it's okay to take that kind of time. And savor it even like savor rest savor relaxation uh because you've obviously you need it <laughs> i like it because you obviously need it I you obviously need it. <laughs> you uh, say it was just really sorry i just thought that was funny i'm a child but yeah and you know if it's a victory lap enjoy it if it's not still enjoy it like at least you have this time to like find your center and yeah. just like take a fucking you know you have some space you have some time to chill so take it please please take it please go to bed now do it go to bed go to bed Sagittarius no you can't take your bow and arrow to bed that's how you get hurt in your sleep but um well I, I, that's all I have for you guys. So like really yeah. just like, like rest up, rest up is the vibe. And actually, you know, like Sagittarius moon here, I could not be tireder. So I think I'm going to take that advice uh, for me as well. Right. I love that. But okay. So to all of you, um, you know, made up holiday lemony bitches, unnamed spring equinox holiday even um blessed unnamed spring equinox holiday bitches blessed unnamed spring equinox holiday bitches <laughs> goodbye bye y'all i'm drinking a diet coke like that's how bad things are today